McNeil to the platform. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I think about the Lord, how he raised me, how he saved me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's something to think about. That's something to think about. Hallelujah. If you just meditate on what God has done for you, where he's brought you from. Hallelujah. Well, we want to say welcome this Wednesday night Bible study. Welcome in the building and welcome to you that are viewing online. Amen. We're happy to have you with us tonight or this evening. Amen. I believe the Lord has something for us tonight. Amen. If you're in the building, it's for you. If you're online, it's for you. Amen. Well, we're going to jump right in because I don't have a lot of time and I want to get through as much of this as I can. I don't have an opening scripture for you, but I do have plenty of scripture for you. So you can go ahead and be seated. Amen. If you're at home, you can go ahead and be seated. Uh, the title of this is Happy Ending. Happy Ending. And you know, in life, there's not always happy endings. But we have a story here that I want to talk to you about and some things about, about a happy ending because we being the church, being in Christ Jesus, we have a happy ending. We have a happy ending. And I'm, I'm grateful to the Lord for that. Uh, Timothy, Timothy Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, says, a story begins when something knocks life off balance. Then the story progresses, or the plot thickens, as the protagonist struggle to restore that balance and peace while antagonist forces block and resist them. Amen. Now, if you think about it, we got a lot of antagonist forces in the world today. And in this story, he's talking about the devil. Finally, the story ends as the struggle results in either the restoration of balance or the failure to recover it. That's a good story. In the first chapter of a Bible of the Bible, a pristine paradise was spoiled by an evil antagonist. Life on earth was thrown out of balance when Adam and Eve succumbed to his seduction and the curse plagued human mankind into a dreadful fallen abyss. See, there's a reason we got in this predicament that we're in. I like to say Adam set us up. He set us up. The last chapter of this epic story has already been written. It could be titled Paradise Restored. Now, there's a, 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 a gospel singer, his name is uh, Jabari Johnson. He sings a song, A Fixed Fight. A Fixed Fight. A fixed fight is something that's already set up for there to be a winner. Yeah. And we're in a fixed fight. Amen. We're the winners in this fight. I, I love that song. It's, it's not one of those songs that'll have you jumping up and down, but it just gets directly to the point. He, he says, we're in a fixed fight and we already won. See, we already know the end of the story. We already know who wins this, this fight. The devil would have you to believe through situations in your life that he wins. But he's not the winner in this fight. 
Life comes with no promises, no guarantees, the location of your birth, who your parents are, or what physical or mental attributes we possess all seem to be a matter of chance and little more. Every, individu every individual must confront life's demands one day at a time. It is an ebb and flow while exhilarating, it's ebb and flow. One moment is exhilarating joy. The next moment, there's sadness. I mean, one day you don't know up from down or down from up. Life brings generous gains and heavy losses. Some lives may, be, may seem to be tremendously blessed with love and kindness, while others may seem undoubtedly visited by deep bitterness and hatred. But through it all, both ups and downs, God watches over every person, and God has a plan for every person. You're not in it alone. An individual is not truly complete until he has felt the wonderful release of sin through repentance. You see, that's the key. Changing your life. Coming out of that world into a new world. Coming out of a world of sin into a world of grace. You know, when I was putting this together, I was thinking back when I, uh, when I was taken down in the waters of baptism, when I repented of my sins, and I, you, you know, when I was in the world, I drank, I smoked, I cursed, I did the things that the world do. But when God delivered me from all that, I had this reflection rushing feeling over me like I was made anew I was a new creature I was fresh I you, you know I I didn't smell myself but I imagine I even smelled fresh you, you, you know when you see somebody that get the Holy Ghost for the first time when they come out of sin they, they're made anew I mean God remade me. He he took things out of me. I I I I used to smoke so God literally that Sunday reached into my throat and took the taste of cigarettes. I didn't have the desire to smoke anymore. I mean I didn't need a patch. I didn't need a a gum. I I didn't need any of that. God just delivered me from it. Life is wonderful. Would you agree with that? Life is wonderful. Live it. Genesis 2 and 7 says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a, a living soul. From nothing God created man. I mean, he used the earthly dust. Man did not become a living soul, however, until God breathed life into the nostrils of the first man, Adam. We must make no mistake about it. Life is a God-given, God-breathed gift and capability. David acknowledged, David acknowledged, I am fearfully and wonder, sis, if you could bring up Psalms 1 and 30, 139 and 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. See, you, you're not just made of nothing. You're, the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. 
That means you mean something to God. You mean something to God. The mystery of life, Psalms 8 and 4 says this, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Even with today's scientific knowledge and technology, mankind has yet to fully comprehend the mystery of life. You see, man still, man knows some things. But man still can't comprehend the mystery of life. Man would think, man would have you to believe that if you have wealth, if you have money, if you have cars, if you have houses, wealth, that that would make you happy. I'm here to tell you that that's not what's going to make you happy. You can look at Hollywood and see that that won't make you happy. Because I meant some of these people get divorced today and married again tomorrow. That's not happiness, church. That's not happiness. Happiness is, is being in Christ Jesus, his righteousness, obeying his laws, his statute, and his commandments. You see, when you come out of sin and you come into the the the, the, the glory of the Lord, your life changes. That's happiness. I'm happy being here tonight. I'm happy speaking to you tonight. I'm not uh, full of doubt and uh, confused because in this day and time, the world is confused. The world doesn't know what to do. It's, it's got what you might call a, a COVID mind. They're so uh, uh, consumed with this COVID that man can't think right. He can't think. He doesn't know what to do from one minute to the next. This is the state that the world is in. But we as the church know that there's a happy ending. There's a happy ending. We know, uh, uh, who is it? I think it was Paul Harvey that said the, the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story. David was not the first to ponder about God and his relationship to mankind, but he may have been the first to write about it so poetically. David questioned that if God is so powerful, so holy and so perfect, how is it possible he could be mindful or aware of humankind? His question relates not only to the creation of life, but also to the wonderful mystery of God's limitless love towards mankind. Think about it. Out of all the things that God made, he breathed into the nostrils of man and made him a little. The Bible says he molded you in his own image. Yeah. Right. That's, that's not someone that doesn't care. That's not someone that doesn't love you. To mold you. I mean, we're not talking, we're not talking about just any being here. We're talking about the mighty God, yeah. our God, our Savior. Yeah. I meant who can command things to happen. He can command it to happen. He don't have to ask for it. He can command it, and it's done. And he loved us enough to mold us and make us in his own image and then give us free will. To love him or not. Think about that for a minute. Now just ponder that for a minute. That alone ought to make you want to serve him. That alone ought to make you want to change your life and give your life to him. 
You know, I, I, it, it just, it gets me, the world, how you, you can turn your back on a God that would do that for you. I'm, I'm just mesmerized by that. I'm, I'm mesmerized by how mankind can be so, so evil when God is so good. God is the creator of life, and as mysterious as life's beginnings may be to mankind, the real question is not about life itself, but about the meaning of life and God's purpose for creation. Mankind, in other words, a person asks, why me? Why here? And why now? God has placed He's placed a specific purpose and unique value on every facet of his creation. He didn't speak a tree, a branch, a rock. There's nothing that God made that he didn't have a specific purpose for. It. There's nothing that he, did, that, that he made that he didn't have a specific purpose for. It. There was a purpose for everything that God made. And, 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 and us being humans are no exception. In fact, humans were created for the highest purpose of God. See, you were created for the highest purpose. You weren't like the bird, the trees, the rock, the sky, the sun. The clouds, you, your purpose was higher than that. God molded him with his own hands. He molded, he, and then he breathed life into you. It's amazing, church. It's amazing. It's not something that we can take lightly. God's people can't take this lightly. You know, you can't just walk through life with your head, as the bishop would say, in the clouds. You can't walk through life with your head in the clouds. I mean, we live each day, day by day, but we have to be mindful of what our purpose is, what God has for us. As the song would say, what God has for you, it is for you. But you got to go get it. You got to go get it. You got to do it. Adam's earliest memories of God were of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day with him and his wife Eve. That personal and private fellowship between God and humankind is still what makes life so valuable. See, God still has that personal uh, relationship with us. You ever been uh, maybe at a moment of si uh, sadness where you just was, uh, I don't know if melancholy would be the right word, but if you were just, you know, you by yourself, sitting in your vehicle or in your room or in your bedroom or at work at your desk, and you just, you started feeling a little sorry for yourself. And then you begin to meditate on Jesus. And he shows up and puts his arm around you and begin to console you. You see, that's the kind of God we serve, that he'll show up when you are at your lowest low. You know, there are some people that are at right now are at their lowest low. You know, I heard a, 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 a gentleman this morning on the radio. He was uh, he was dying of COVID. And they he wanted to he wanted he wanted them to tape him so that if he didn't make it, he 
he would be able to leave something for the people. And this is what he said. He said, uh, he said you know, it's, 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 it's about to be night, and I got to close my eyes and go to sleep. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to wake up in the morning. And he was on a ventilator. And he said, you know, I just asked God. He said, I said, God, if it's your will, wake me up in the morning. And he said, well, you know, if it's not God's will, he won't wake me up, and I'll see you on the other side. But you know, the world right now is in such a state that their mind is on everything but God. Everything but God. Man is right now trying to uh, figure this COVID thing out and uh, uh what, what can they do? What can they mix up? They're probably in labs. They're, they're trying, they're testing these, this and testing that. But nobody's thinking that, hey, if you just get to an altar and bend your knees and say, Lord, we need you. See, you can, you can look back in history and see how to get him to come. Because whenever Israel was in trouble, they knew to call on the one true God. They knew to call on King Jesus. They called on God. Whenever, whenever trouble came, they called on the Lord. You see, the Bible says in a time of trouble, he's there. He'll show up. He'll come. But you got to call him. And we, you know, we as the church, we really got to pray for this world. Because the world, that's the last thing. You say something about Jesus, they look at you like, well, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He can save you from your sins. <laughs> He can deliver you from that sickness. He, he can come. He can help. He's a, what, what the Bible says, he's a very present help in a time of trouble. So when I'm in trouble, I'm going to call him. Because I can't call my friend because he's not going to come. Because he's going to tell me, well, I'm, I'm busy right now. I can't come. But the Lord will show up and show out. the abundant life in Christ. Nothing can compare to life in, Je in Christ Jesus. No amount of possessions, wealth, talent is able to take the place of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. The wealthiest of people are not happy. During his ministry, Jesus gave a clear purpose of his birth when he said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know what that word abundantly means? In large quantities. Now, who wouldn't want something like that? And who wouldn't want life in large quantities? You know, the issue with people is they want to live today for today for their own gain. See, we, we, we think about our own game, what I can get for me. It's not about you. It's about me, Keisha. It's not about you. It's about what Brother McNeil can get for Brother McNeil. See, and that's the, that's the world we live in. I watch people. I see people, how they act. You see, when you're around people, don't be so quick to have your phone in your hand well, like the world does. You know, I was in a, I was at a stoplight. What was it, yesterday or the day? What, yesterday or the day. And it was like five cars in front of me. And the light turned green. And I'm looking at the light, and I'm looking at the cars, and no one's moving. 
Well, uh, maybe I better give him a little boost because this light doesn't hold long. Every, it was five cars in front of me, and every last one of them had their phone. I said, my Lord, I meant, <laughs> if looking at a phone could make America rich, well, it is. I mean, it's making the phone companies rich. But if it could make people rich, we would be the wealthiest country in the world. We really would. Because it's all about electronics, you see. I, let me look at this. And, and let me look at Facebook. See, because I want to know what you're doing. See, I'm not living right, but I want to see what you're doing to tell somebody that you're not living right. You see, I want to be the judge. I want to be the judge. When there's only one true judge, Christ Jesus, who's going to judge us both? Through the abundant life Christ gives to us, we are able to realize our true potential in him. We can please the Lord and possess his, his love, peace, and joy. See, that's why the, the world don't got no love, no peace, and no joy. They got none. They don't, because they don't have Christ Jesus. They don't have his righteousness. They don't have him. I can't love you without the Lord in me. Me, myself, in, in this mortal body, I, I cannot love you. It's impossible for me to love you without Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's, it's, it can't happen. I gotta, you, you, in, in order to have that type of love, to have agape love, you got to have some agape love in you. And the world, see, the world doesn't have that. They don't have that. That's why they don't have a happy ending. You see, that's why the world don't have a happy ending. It, <laughs> you can't have a happy ending with a sad beginning and nothing to change that. Although they do have something to change it, they don't want to accept it. See, we got to hold tight here. If we look around at this church, we have what? Ten people here? This, this shows us what's going on. This shows us where the world's priorities are. Their priorities are not in Christ. It's not about him. It's about them. Now, I'm, I'm not bashing anyone. I'm just saying it's, it's, a, it's a sad state. It's a sad state when you don't have a, a determination to get up and go be fed the word or to live right, to talk right, to act right. I mean, we can look on the, you can look on the news and see uh, treating somebody right is out of the question. Because you can't hardly go out now. If you do, you better keep your head on a swivel. Because you don't know where the, which direction it might come from. Only Jesus brings hope. For, for lives that are completely without hope. Only he can restore life to its purity, take away the sinful nature caused by Adam's disobedience in Eden. An individual's life becomes generally abundant only when the presence of Jesus Christ is manifested in him through the power of the Holy Ghost, that abundant life in the Lord brings with it a promise and a blessed hope of life everlasting, a higher quality of life than mere human existence. See, 
we, we live in this very moment that we're in. We're not worried about the next. We're not worried about <laughs> what happens tomorrow. We'll worry about tomorrow when it get there. We, it, 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 you know, when I was a child, I can remember going to see uh, my mother and my auntie know about this. They used to take us a, a, a lot of times to go see Shamrock and these tent revivals. And you go in these tent revivals, I mean, it'd be mud and raining, and <laughs> it, 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 but you was going. And I was a little tight. I, I wasn't as, you know, as old as you all. I was, we were little. We was like seven and eight years old. And you was hating life, but you was going. <laughs> you know, you was hating life, but you was going. Yeah. But I remember, you know, watching people get the Holy Ghost in that tent, and it scaring me. And I remember, now I was a young, I was a child. And I listened to this man preach, fire and brimstone. He preached it. Now, at seven years old, <laughs> you know, man, he scared you. <laughs> Hell was somewhere you didn't want to go. And, you know, I, I, I really, as I grew older into a teenager and whatnot, I really didn't think about that until now. When I was, at that moment, I was... You see, at that moment, when, you, when he spoke about that, I was afraid. But once I was out of that tent, the thought faded. So I wasn't afraid anymore. And see, this is what the world is. You, you, you ever notice you can go talk to somebody about the Lord, and at that moment, their heart is touched. But the moment they're away from you, it fades. It fades. The thought of going to hell fades. But see, hell is real. That ain't a thought that you got to let just fade. That's somewhere you got to say to yourself, I'm not going. That's why I'm, when the church doors are open, I'm here. Because I can't afford to, I, I can't live by chance. That's living by chance. See, I can't live by chance. I can't take a chance on going to hell. I like to tell, you know, one, one of the guys I work with, I, I told him, I said, look, hey, I can't take a chance on doing anything contrary to God because he may come at that moment when I'm doing it. And the Bible says he's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I can't repent in a twinkling of an eye. I can't repent. So therefore, I can't put myself in a position to get caught dirty, you might say. Because that would be getting caught dirty. And see, that's the world. The world thinks that I got time. I got time. I got nothing but time. But if you're young and you're listening to me tonight, I'm here to tell you, you online and you sitting here that's young, time is not on your side. I mean, if I heard this thing, my mother and my auntie are sitting there, and they're much older than me. I'm 60. Time is not on our side. The Lord is coming. There's a day of reckoning that's coming. And if you're not right, young people, forgive me. I, it looks like I'm just preaching directly at you or talking directly. But <laughs> this is what you get when you sit in the front pew. But thank the Lord you're here. I thank God you're here. But, you know, it's, I, I just can't, I can't get caught short. I can't do anything to get caught short. I got to make my calling and election sure. 
I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. The responsibility is ours to seek the Lord until we find him and then to live our whole life in him. You see, that's why the, the, the church is like it is tonight. Because we, we've had folk that they sought him, they found him, but the last part of that is live our whole life in him. You can't take off from being a saint. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take off from being a saint. Well, you know, Lord, I've been a saint for a month straight. So I'm going to go ahead and take a week off, Lord, because I've been going strong a month straight. So I'm going to take a week off. Well, what if he should come in that week? What if he should come? See, if I take tomorrow off, if Brother McNeil takes tomorrow off and the Lord show up, well, I done, I done ran this race all this last 20 years, 25 years. I, man, I can't miss out on God. We, we ought not to miss out on God. We can't miss heaven. We can't take the chance. We, we're in a fixed fight. And we already won. All we got to do is stay the course. Stay the course. That's all we got to do is stay the course. The spirit of God is the difference between a life lived without purpose or direction and accustomed to defeat and one that is victorious, alive in the spirit and victorious in the spirit of difficulty through the power of God though the power of God through the power of God the spirit we climb over every obstacle of life you see God with God's spirit in you there is no force that can come against you and win there's nothing that can come against you and win now I'm not saying that you know, things can't happen where you're, you're ill and, well, let's just go ahead and say it, uh, cancer. I'm not saying that cancer won't take a saint out. I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you, in the end, you will defeat cancer. Yeah. Yeah. You might not defeat it on this side. But you'll defeat it on that side. Yes, amen. You see, because you're going to get to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Yes. You see, the Lord, you know, a lot of people want to think that, well, you know, I'm a Christian. Nothing bad should happen to me. And where is that written? <laughs> Anybody ever read that in the Bible? Because I read where a lot of Christians had a lot of affliction. Poor Job, he got beat up. Poor Job got wore out, but he stayed the course. He didn't turn his back on God. When his own wife said, well, won't you just curse God and die? He said, well, you must be crazy. How about you go ahead and do what you're going to do, because I'm going this way with the Lord. Because, see, if she told me that, if my wife told me that, I would have to say, baby, you ride with who you riding with, and I'm riding with the Lord. Because no matter what, I'm riding with him. No matter what, he, uh, what happens to this body, I know that it's going to be all right. You see, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to be like a soldier. What's the, the song, I'm a soldier in the army? I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. Amen. 
Each phase of life offers new challenges and adventures in the spirit, moving us towards spiritual maturity. Now, Paul compared physical maturity to spiritual maturity. Just as we grow physically, we should mature physically. We should mature spiritually. All phases of life should reflect an ever-changing process. Just as the human body matures with time and one's knowledge and understanding grows, the spiritual person should mature in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see, we as Christians can't be, look, we, we, we got to come off the milk. Yeah. A baby cannot live on milk its entire life. At some point, you have to change the diet. So as being a, 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 a Christian, you have to grow up. That's the word I like to use. You got to grow up. You got to get stronger and stronger in the Lord. We don't get weak. We get stronger in the Lord. We don't get weaker in the Lord. We got to get stronger in the Lord. There comes a time when you know you... You can't call the pastor about every little thing. You got to be able to stand on your own two feet. You got to be able to show that you got something. Because, see, some, some people will challenge you. You say you're a Christian, they want to see what you got. They want to see how much it is you know. You see, you got to study what the Bible says. Study to show thyself approved. Unto who? Unto God. You got to study. That way when people throw things at you, you can say, well, no, no, that ain't what this is. You see, you got to know what you're talking about. You can't say, well, uh, let me call you back on that or I'll get back with you and, and call pastor and, and pastor. You know, he asked me this question. Well, you got to be able to know something. You got to know this word for yourself. That way, when somebody tell you something and it's not right, you can say, well, no, no, no. That's not right. You know, years ago, I was having a discussion with a man. And he quote, he said, he quoted a scripture or something out of the Bible. And I said, no, that's not what the Bible says. And he said, yes, that is what the Bible said. And I said, no, that's not what the Bible says. He said, okay, then, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to go look at it, and I'm going to come back, and he was going to prove me wrong. Well, you know, with me, it wasn't a question of, that I wanted to prove him wrong, but that wasn't what the Bible said. I forget what the scripture was. It was like 20 years ago this happened. But I remember it just like it was yesterday. But what I really admire about this gentleman was this. He went and looked, and I knew he was going to go look. I didn't have to look because God had it sketched right there in my mind. And I spit it back to him exactly how the word said it. And he came back to me, I think it was two days later, and said, McNeil, I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to tell you, you was right. I apologize. And I said, well, thank you, sir. I didn't say I told you so because it wasn't a time to say I told you so. Right. I just wanted to let him know that I read this word, too. Right. See, because people will try to tell you things. Yeah. Uh, everybody's a saint. <laughs> well, you think they ain't? Everybody's a saint. People will come up to you and say, well, the word says this. And I'm thinking sometimes, no, that's not what that says. 
And you, you know what? We have to be bold. We have to show the world that we know what we know. We can't kick back. Look here. If somebody's misquoting the Bible to the point where they're misquoting it. Now, I'm talking like if they're speaking verbatim, uh, speaking and, and, and just misquoting it, saying something that's not in it and it's just not true. You can't just stand there and keep your arms folded and just say nothing. Because one, they're going to think they're right. And two, they might be trying to see if you know what you say you know. Now, I'm not saying do this to be uh, smarter than the other guy, because I'm not a Bible scholar by any imagination. But I'm going to speak up for the Lord because he gave me lips to speak. And when it's true, I'm going to speak truth. Okay? We got to speak truth. We can't just sit idly by and assume that, well, you know, we shouldn't have said nothing. Because that may be a, your time to witness. It may be a time that God can use you to straighten this person. Because, look, we... None of us was born saved. And to get where we are, it took a lot of prayer, a lot of reading, a lot of uh, God dealing with us, the Holy Ghost dealing with us, and we got to share it. We have to share that. How much time we got, sis? God has promised to be an ever-present help in a time of trouble. God does not always choose to eliminate the tribulations and difficulties, but he has promised to never leave you or forsake you. You see, he's always with us. We're going to bring it to a close here, but we're going to uh, we're going to stop right here. We're going to, God's plan for mankind include, includes a unique beauty and perfection. For one thing, God has placed his spirit and power in us as a treasure in earthen vessels. Even a born again person is imperfect and incomplete. And he is destined to live only a relatively few days on earth and have a life possibly full of trouble. Still, God invests his love, grace, and his spirit in him. The treasure of God's spirit allows his people to survive every difficulty, every trial, and every temptation. Our lives become victorious testimony to God's power when his spirit enables us to triumph in difficulty, in difficult situations and circumstances. The Holy Spirit helps the Christian to maintain his spiritual equilibrium. You see, God helps, that helps us to stay balanced because we need to stay balanced as Christians. We need to stay where we are. We need to know that we know the end of the story. It's a fixed fight, and we already won. Amen. We've already won this fight. We're just waiting on time. But while we're waiting, we need to bring as many along with us as we can, church. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope y'all got something out of that tonight. And I want to say the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you online. And we hope that you got something out of it. And uh, we want to say uh, come and join us Sunday morning. We're back open. And uh, we're still wearing face masks. We're still doing the COVID thing that we're supposed to do. But we would love to have you. And we want to say God bless you.
Sister Tyler.